What is up, everybody, and welcome to the 4-8 Men podcast. This is obviously my first one, so I'm so thankful that you're here and that you're joining us. What I really hope this podcast brings is that I hope it encourages, it encourages you to train physically, but that it also challenges you to train spiritually. And I'm so happy that I have no other one to start off this huge launch than my good friend Adam Klink. Adam is a husband, a father, and just a stud. He is the lead partnership manager with BPN, and he's just a good friend. Um, so welcome, Adam Klink, to the podcast. Thank you, man. It's a privilege to be your guest on episode number one. Hey, hey, there was no one else. Well, I was like, who could I have just the most real conversation with? And I was like, Adam Klink, who do I reach out to and ask every single fitness question I have? Adam Klink, who's a great dude, Adam Klink. So every, every, all my roads just kept, they just kept pointing back to you. So I thought you were going to say I was your only option that you couldn't find anybody else. Um, <laughs> would that have been better if you were, <laughs> if I was just like, okay. The yeah, only yeah. person I can find yeah. that'll do my podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you were the only person out of a hundred that agreed to do it. <laughs> no. So, well, Happy to be here, man. Super grateful for you and our friendship. Um, kind of cool how it started, but I'll, I'll sh I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit. Yeah. So Adam really is like, if I have a fitness question of like, hey, does this make sense? Or should I, should I train up a training style thing? Adam's the first person that I call. And it's awesome because he answers every single time. And it is just the best. So um, Adam, can you kind of just tell the viewers and just the listeners a little bit about kind of how we met and kind of how we've kind of just become friends so yeah gosh so how we met i took a position at bear performance nutrition as their lead partnership manager and part of my job is finding people to work with whether they're influencers athletes that sort of thing uh so like early on in my job and Instagram and those sort of things. And like, oh, this person is of interest and I would dig into them a little bit more. And um, you were somebody very early on that I just came across on Instagram and I was like, man, like I really like this dude and his values and what he stands for. And I don't know what I'm gonna do with him, but I'm just gonna build a relationship. And so I think I reached out to you to send you product and little did I know that you had already established a relationship with Nick Bear and BPN. But I guess that just goes to show that like Nick and I have very similar mindsets in just building relationships and friendships that like you were one of the first people that I gravitated to when I got this position. Yeah, that, that's so true. And, and it was so cool because I've, I've loved y'all's products for a while. And one of my good friends was like, dude, do you know who Adam Klink is? And I was like, uh-uh. And he was like, dude, he literally just like back squatted 500 pounds or ran a sub five minute mile. And I was like, that's not even human. Um, but we'll get into that in a little bit because that is just something crazy that you've achieved and um, just a super high accomplishment. So talking about fitness, so what has that journey been like for you just with fitness and, and, and where did that start? Yeah, so I think the most relevant place to start, the place anybody cares about is high school, right? I was a multi-sport athlete um you kind of gravitate in high school to the sport you're best at something that you have a chance of playing in college and for me that was soccer so i gave up playing basketball gave up playing football gave up track um probably by my junior year and committed myself to soccer 
and that landed me a spot on the Rutgers men's soccer team. I was a goalkeeper for four years. Um, I stayed for five because I redshirted. And in that last year, in my first game of the season, I got back-to-back concussions. And that on top of many more concussions early on in my like like the ball career. like the ball hitting you or you like like hit the pole or, uh, or, or? like collisions with other players. Oh, uh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I knew what I was doing. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't like running into the goalpost. Um, but after that many concussions, and I'm talking about like concussions that like I woke up in the hospital. Um, the doctor said like, look, if you want to guarantee yourself any quality of life, we recommend that you stop playing contact sports. So a game into my fifth year in college, everything that I poured my life into athletically came to a screeching halt. And athletically, that was the low point in my life. And I kind of had to dig myself out of that that time. But throughout that time, I wasn't quite ready to be done being an athlete and being competitive, so I stumbled into CrossFit. I had a friend from high school, and he had been to the CrossFit Games, and I was like, you know what? This looks interesting. So long story short, I started training CrossFit, and I got into it purely because I wanted to make a name for myself and athletically be successful. But through that, um, this friend actually... Uh, we reconnected and after college, I moved back home and became the head coach of his gym, which is called CrossFit Krypton in Chesapeake, Virginia. And I really developed a deep love and passion for coaching and helping people. Um, it's probably the one thing that gives me the most gratification in life is to be able to help influence somebody's life for the better. Um, and again, that avenue for me was through fitness at the time. Um, And I was a head coach for eight years. I competed professionally in CrossFit for eight years. And again, another long story short, I became an athlete for BPN and they ended up hiring me after a a couple months of being an athlete. Yeah. Dude, that's so awesome. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize that you were at, that you were at Rutgers for five years. Uh One too many. That's awesome. But one, one too many. Yeah. So, so if, if you didn't get redshirted, then you wouldn't have had the two concussions. Well, possibly, yeah. <laughs> possibly, possibly. But was that was that because you said that that was kind of a dark time after you kind of transitioned out of that into CrossFit? Was that like was soccer something that you like found your identity in, and you, after that was kind of stripped away, you kind of got into CrossFit, or what was that yeah. kind of framework like? Absolutely, and I think that's a lot of people growing up is people put their identity into something. Um, I think for a lot of kids, like in high school, and and if they make it to the college level, like your identity is your sport. Like if people asked me what my major was in college, I would have said soccer. (laughs) You know, like that in my head, like I went to school to play soccer and cool, I got an education along the way. And when you get that ripped away from you, especially uh, against your will, like I didn't get to go out how I wanted to. It was really a tough pill to swallow. Um, I mean, I remember, you know, for weeks, one, I had to recover. So it was like, I couldn't do much regardless. I couldn't work out. Um, But I remember just like days being like laid up on the couch, lights are off in my house, like not even wanting to watch TV, just being depressed. Um, And CrossFit really is probably the thing athletically that helped 
bring back that motivation to train and kind of get that competitive edge back um, that I lost playing soccer. Because I even I even grew up playing like well because I can relate to that because I I didn't grow up playing soccer. It was too much cardio for me. Um, so I did baseball. Um, I played catcher. So we we, we were kind of similar. You were the goalie. I was the catcher. We were both kind of the um, the non runners on the on the playing field that we were on. But yeah, I mean after I stopped playing baseball, I didn't really realize how much because I played from I was you know five to nineteen, um, eighteen. And just how much of my identity that I'd put in in a single sport, then after, you know, that was kind of stripped away, or I, I didn't, that wasn't really stripped away, I stopped playing. But after that transition kind of happened, I kind of realized uh, how much of an emphasis on my life that I'd put into that. So that's cool that you kind of had that moment. Was, well, it's not cool that you had that moment with soccer, but you had that realization that maybe I, you know, found my identity in that at the time. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think every athlete goes through that in some capacity at some point, like nobody plays their sport forever. Um, and I think it can be a hole that a lot of people have to fill and they have to figure out what to fill it with. And I think we can probably get into that in a little bit too. Yeah, for sure. So as I mentioned earlier, you are the first person, well, you've become really well known um, for being the first person to back squat 500 pounds and run a sub five minute mile in the same day, not not even like in the same vicinity, but literally in the same day, which is just crazy to think about that. What what made you want to go try to achieve that? Yeah, gosh. So um, in the CrossFit world, this was kind of a challenge that was put out back in 2018. And in CrossFit, when you get your level one certification, which is the certification to become a trainer or open a gym, um, or a lot of people just get it to get it. But the first lecture in that seminar, in that training, is a seminar called What is CrossFit? And they talk about both ends of the spectrum. They talk about the marathon runner who can run a two-hour marathon. They talk about the power lifter who can squat a 1,000 pounds. And they, they discuss that as CrossFitters, the methodology, we want to be that person in the middle who can run a five minute mile and squat 500 pounds. So that concept has like always been in the sport of CrossFit. Um, and it's funny, there was a name for the person who could run a two hour marathon. And there was a name for the person who could back squat a thousand pounds, but there was never a name for the person who could run a five minute mile and hit a 500 pound back squat. So in 2018, Dave Castro He's the one who orchestrates the CrossFit games. He wrote a book and he argued like if this was even possible, if any of these games athletes here could squat 500 pounds and run a sub five minute mile in the same day. And they didn't think anybody could and nobody had up until that point. So it kind of like through social media became this challenge put out into the world. And when COVID hit, um, you know, I was signed up for competi competitions and canceled, canceled canceled. So nobody had anything to do, right? We were all stuck at home and running and squatting is something that's pretty easily accessible. I had a squat rack in my garage and my background, I had actually run a sub five minute mile when I was 16 years old and I've hit a 500 pound back squat when I was 26 years old. So granted that was 10 years apart, but in the back of my head, I was like, you know, like, I feel like I have 
the capability that if I put in some extra training, like I can do this. So with nothing going on in COVID, I was like, you know what? Let's make this a goal and give me something to train for. And after about eight weeks of training, I was able to pull it off. And like it blew up way more than it should have. Um, it hit social media. And I think it was just the fact that absolutely nothing was going on. Like no major league sports, no anything. And this happened and CrossFitters like, CrossFitters were like, yeah, look what we did. And it just blew up. Um, but I purely did it just to, I'm somebody who trains better when I'm working towards a goal. Like I need to have a goal with my training. Um, and that was purely all that was for. And this kind of took off. And it, like, it's crazy to think that that was almost what set my life in trajectory wise to where it is today. Like, I think that's why I'm with BPN. That's why BPN signed me as an athlete was after that feat. I aligned really well of, with their brand as like this hybrid athlete and the rest is history. Dude, that is just such a cool story. Did you, did, did you, did you get that your first time or did you, was, was that like, cause you said you trained for eight weeks. I mean, if you could, I don't think the normal person could, tra- could train for, could train for eight weeks and, and accomplish that. So like, did you, the first time that you, that you were like, I'm going to, you know, on Wednesday, this day, I'm going to go out and do it. Did you get it your first time or was it, did it take you a couple of times to get there? Uh, it took a couple of times and I actually, this is kind of like a small side story. Not too many people know, but I tried this in 2018 and I got close, but I got injured and then I kind of shut training down and then I got into the next CrossFit season and just really didn't give it a go again. Um, but my numbers were pretty close. Um, and I want people to realize that like, I wasn't far off from those two numbers starting training. Like people take a look at themselves and they're like, well, I have a 300 pound back squat and a six and a half minute mile. Like maybe we should set more realistic goals than five minute mile and a 500 pound back squat. Cause like the strength component component takes a long, long time to build that sort of strength. Like I remember it took me eight years to put on 80 pounds on my back squat to go from like 420 pounds to 500 pounds, eight years. So that's not just strength that you're going to build in like a couple weeks. Um, but no, my, my strength numbers were pretty much there. Like when I, when I set out to do this, I was like, all right, I'm going to do a base test. And I ran a 543 mile and hit a 485 pound back squat. And then those were the numbers I worked off for eight weeks leading into it. So I did like a 90% effort test run six weeks into it and ran like a, I don't know, it was like a 513 mile and hit a 500 pound squat. So technically I failed, but it was still part of the process to get to this end goal. Um, and I, no, I did. I kind of picked a day and um, everything really just kind of came together and I executed and I got it. I mean, I think there were a lot of factors that, you know, would have been a reason why I failed, but I think just like, Everything kind of just came together perfectly that day. And then you just blew up. I, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. I, I, it wasn't the plan, but um, super thankful that I am where I am today because of it. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Like, because even when you think about that with like God, like a lot of times, like, because you didn't know that that, that was going to, you know, change the trajectory. So a lot of times it's those moments like that where, you know, you're not trying to, you know, you're not trying to get famous. You're not trying to be super well-known. You're trying to just do this really just for yourself, just to kind of prove it to yourself. And then in those moments, the Lord uses that to, you know, to really give you that platform that he's given you. That's just such a, such a cool story. So you talked about training for eight weeks with, 
you know, 90%, like 90% of, you know, kind of working off of that, of that max you had. So how does your, what does your training look like now compared to kind of other things in the past that you've tried to accomplish like that? Yeah. Uh, a little bit different. I have two young kids. I have a 10 month old and a two and a half year old. Um, my previous job for eight years, I was a coach. And if anybody knows anybody about anything about like a trainer's schedule, it's usually a split schedule where you work early in the morning and then you go back for an afternoon or a night shift because everybody goes to work in the middle of the day. Um, so I had a really nice schedule where I could train a lot. I was able to be home for my family um, and I was able to train previously for anywhere from, from one to sometimes three or four hours a day, which is why I think I was able to compete at a high level for so long. Nowadays, uh, ever since moving to Texas, I have a full-time job where I'm working. I leave the house at 7.30, get home at 5. Um, my workouts, I never want my training to interfere with my family life. So I purposefully work out at 5 a.m. or 8.30, 9 p.m. before or after the kids are up. Um, and that's just something that like that's where my values lie and family is ahead of fitness for me. Um, so it's definitely changed a lot. And some days like I'll have 45 minutes or an hour in the garage to train, um, alone or with my wife a lot of the time, um, where I used to be in a beautiful gym setting with five, 10, sometimes 20 training partners and you feed off of that energy. And it's like, it's easy to get motivated and get your energy up yeah. and get a good workout in. Um, it's not as easy when you wake up at 5 a.m. and it's cold and it's dark. And, and you're by yourself. And you're by garage. yourself in a little garage gym, like you know. So it's definitely it's definitely changed. But I think what it's made me is relatable to other people. Um, I think so often people see professional athletes and even professional CrossFitters, and they're like, "Cool, but like I don't have four hours a day to dedicate to training. Like I'll never get there." Um, but I think with my situation, the biggest thing that's come of like this back squat a mile is just being able to relate to everybody on just a personal level of like, Hey, I get you're busy. I get you have kids, but like, you know, you can still set goals. You can still be consistent. You can still work towards those goals and, and do things that you want to do. Yeah, for sure. Cause even like what you just said, like, I think even sometimes social media can paint this picture cause you'll see these guys who are like in super good shape but the backstory is they might train four hours a day and you, you know, like you'll never get the chance to, to get to put that much work in. Um, so like you said, even if it's only 45 or an hour a day, you have to just, you know, kind of train with what you got. And even after honey, man, like, you know, this life has taken such a just turn with that. And I've had to, you know, implement different ways to train in, in different times. I've, I'm not I'm not on the 5 a.m. train, but sometimes I've had to be, be on the six o'clock one, and um, even that's just so early for me. And um, just having to carve out time around that. But I know that you have played soccer, you've done CrossFit, you are with BPN now. You've done all these different things, and something that I've walked through, and I feel like probably a lot of a lot of guys have too. But um, have you ever kind of felt like that you went through a time where your training was more about kind of like what you looked like physically, kind of what you looked like more on the outside than actually trying to train to achieve a goal? Um, yes, like you always want to look your best. And I think that the point of my life where that was a main priority was in college. 
Um, even playing soccer, like out of season, like I would go to the Rutgers school gym and like do my bodybuilding lifting because I wanted to get a big chest and big arms and, you know, for girls, like, you know, that's, that's what it was. Um, and there was a, definitely a point of my life where that was a priority. Um, I will say though, that it shifted, um, ever since I got into CrossFit, I felt like I trained for performance and looks in a sense kind of just followed and weren't relevant if I was performing to the level that I wanted to perform. And that kept me way more content. I think that if you train for looks and aesthetics, you're never going to be content because you're always going to see something somewhere. And social media is a bad place for that, where you want to look a, look a little bit better, look a little bit bigger, look like this person. Um, and it can be really, really tough and make you really just not content with where, where you want to be. Yeah, well, because it's so damaging. Like, because I know I've gone through a period of that. Like, I think I was a sophomore in high school and I was working out like six days a week. And like you said, like my emphasis wasn't on like, because I think if you view it as training, like in reaching a goal. So like if I can look back at a month, here's where my levels are at compared to last month. But if you have the mindset of here's what I look like compared to last month, then you're always going to be chasing something that's, you know, you're chasing a rabbit that you're never going to catch. And then you get on social media and you see, you know, a picture and who knows if that if that's even legitimate or if that's, you know, enhanced in some way. And then you, you create this narrative in your mind of, you know, I need to, 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 to do more, train more. But really, it's about, like you said, if if you focus on the goals and not about your looks, then that just kind of comes as a byproduct. And you have to just reframe that mindset of, you know, I can't get so consumed with what I look like. I can't make an idol out of my body because um, that's just destructive. And, you know, you're never going to, you know, reach that hypothetical goal that you think that you can maybe achieve. Yeah. Like, I think that's one of the reasons I've always been interested in like bodybuilding as a sport or physique, but I just, in my head, I know how toxic that would be and all consuming. And I know that it would cause priorities to shift in my life. And that's no knock to anybody that does that as a sport or as a living, like all due respect, like it's amazing. And I wish I could do it, but I just know that what that would do to me. Yeah. Well, we're all different. Like some people can do that. Some people can't. And, and the fact that you are aware of that, that I feel like that speaks volumes to the, like to your convictions in that. And you're conscious enough to know that, you know, if you go down that, that trail, then it might not lead you down the best path that, that you'd want to go down. So here's how I want, this is our first segment. That's what I'm calling it. This is our physical training. So here's how I want to end each segment from here on. This is kind of the 4-8 men staple of the podcast. So on each one, I want to ask each guest to give me and the listeners a physical challenge to go out and do this week. So with that, Sir Adam Klink, what physical challenge do you give us? Is it is it is it written on the board behind you or no, is it? No, it's not. This okay. okay. <laughs> this I, is all I my thought, work I, for the week. Um, I thought you might have had it written on. The I can't write it on the board for you. Um, but <laughs> no, good. Uh, coming from the CrossFit world, I'll pick something that's easily accessible, um, and it's a workout. And I don't know if you've ever heard the workout Cindy, but I love the workout Cindy because it's a full body workout and 
literally anybody can do it. You can scale it down however you need to, but it's an AMRAP, which, me which means you'll do as many rounds as possible in 20 minutes of five pull-ups, 10 push-ups, and 15 air squats. And I love this workout because no weights are involved. You're only using your body weight. It's a full body workout, but it's a really good test of your fitness. Um, like if somebody was just starting their fitness journey or wherever you're at today, if you were to do this test, say you get 10 rounds, um, you put your best effort in and you get 10 rounds. Well, if you go through your training and weeks and months go by, it would be a good workout to retest, to reevaluate your fitness. And maybe you retest in a couple of months and you get 15 rounds or 20 rounds. Um, but if you're getting 20 plus rounds, you're, uh, you're an elite company. What are you, what are you, what, what are you rocking at that? I think I've done 26 plus like tw in, in around 27, 20 in 20 minutes, 20 minutes each that's round. If you're moving absurd. and not stopping for all 20 minutes, so I want to hear, I want to hear, I want to hear your score at the end of this week. So I can't wait to do that challenge this week and hopefully I get 27 rounds minus 12 or minus 15. But what I really want to talk about, so Paul, the Apostle Paul, if you don't know who he is, he wrote, you know, three-fourths of the New Testament. He wrote so much. He was an apostle. He was a disciple. And Jesus appeared to him um, on the road to Damascus, and he had this crazy life encounter. But he wrote us a, um, he wrote this verse in First Timothy, and he, this is a letter that he's writing to his protege, Timothy. It's, he says that physical training is of some value, but godliness is of value in every way. So that's what we just talked about. We just talked about the physical training. We just talked about how, you know, as believers and as, you know, men, we can train physically and, and not that we want to look good, but it's just about, you know, that, that, that can help us spiritually. But he says that godliness is a value in every way. And that idea that, you know, the spiritual training, you know, what are we doing for our soul? That is more important than the physical training. So while we don't neglect the physical training, we just always want to put more emphasis on the things that are eternal being the spiritual training. So Adam, we have talked about how you've hit a 500-pound back squat and a sub-five-minute mile, and we know how you train physically, and I think it's, I don't think, I know. Obviously, it's super impressive that you've done that, but I think what's more impressive is that you're a husband, you're a father, you're a believer, and you lead your family um, for things that ultimately matter. Um, so with that, how do you actually prepare and train for your life to lead them? Yeah, so that's something that has really evolved for me throughout the years. And I came from a family that was rooted in the church. I mean, we were a family that went to church every single Sunday. It was our routine, um, almost to the point where like, when I was younger, I feel like it almost like diminished the value of what going to church meant for me just because it was like something I did. And not, not to the point where like, I wasn't a believer, like I believed in God and um, I was saved at a young age and I was baptized at a young age. And it was almost like I just didn't know any different. Um, and at that point in my life, like even through high school, I didn't really go through any hardships, no trials and tribulation, nothing to test me. So I just had this faith, but I can't say that I was super strong growing up just because I didn't have anything that forced me to lean on my faith um, as I then had later in life. Um, but then you get to college and I think 
um, that spiritual journey changed for me. I no longer had mom and dad pressuring me to go to church. I mean, from afar, right? From, you know, seven hours away. Uh, but those decisions were mine now. And I, I think like a lot of people, um, I went to college. I was on the soccer team. I, people knew who I was. It was, I thought I was cool. And I didn't go to church much, especially the first probably two or three years of college. But as I went through college and as I went in and out of relationships, whether it was with dating or friends, I started to feel like this tug and this void in my life. And it brought me back to church in college. And again, not that my faith like ever went away. Um, not that I had any resentment to church or my relationship with Jesus. It was just, it was just there, but the, the, that flame was very small and very dim. Um, but I had this tug and, um, I started going to church on campus and the first person I met there, um, his name was Mike Leach and he was a former professional soccer player and we just really connected and I got into going back to church. Um, and so for about the last two years, uh, of college, I was a lot more consistent and I'm going to talk about consistency here a lot in a little bit. Um, but uh, I really like rekindled that fire and passion with my relationship with Jesus. Then I was down and out and I got concussions and I kind of got into this like headspace where like, why, like, why, why me? Like kind of pity on myself, like, God, why'd you let this happen? Um, and I would say that I was mad at God for, for a while. And it wasn't until I kind of picked myself up with CrossFit um, and started to build routine in my life that I also built that routine back with my faith. Like, right, I started like picking back up the pieces and putting those pieces back into place in my life. And one of those things was that consistency, consistency reading the Bible, consistency going to church, consistency praying. Um, and I really found that I was in a good spot. And that led me to my wife. I think putting all those people pieces back together led me to the right person because I felt like I was ready to lead in a relationship. Um, and then from there, I was ready to lead in my family. And throughout that time when I was a coach, I had a, a lot of practice because right out of college, I got trusted to essentially lead a group of 400 plus people, plus people coming in from out of town on a daily basis. So I quickly had to develop leadership skills. And um, my leadership style is I, I tried to lead with the approach that I wanted to lead like Jesus would lead and love like Jesus would love and show people compassion like Jesus shows us compassion. And um, I wanted to see, I wanted people to see Jesus through me and through my actions. And I say that because when you're in a setting like a gym, you know, it's obviously, you know, fairly secular. Yes, you have a lot of people that are believers and you have those relationships, but you're, when you're leading a, a massive group of people at once, um, it's a lot of things. It's uncomfortable. It's hard. It's like, I'm not going to stand in the front of a classroom that I'm coaching a class with and, and, you know, preach Jesus's name, but I always made it a point and it was always my vision to show people love how Jesus shows us love. And that's really how I tried to lead 
that group of people. Um, there came a point in my life um, two years ago now, it was like the two year anniversary just passed recently where um, we got robbed. And as a family, so my wife, myself, and we had our first son, Noah, at the time, um, that was probably the toughest, toughest part as a family, low point as a family. And it's funny, my, my wife, Shay, always says the saying that God said, get robbed and see what happens because it's, it's really seems like it set us up to where we are now. Like when we got robbed, we had maybe a thousand dollars to our name. Uh, we had this 10 month old, we had now, you know, no place to live. My wife was like, I'm not living there, there ever again. Um, and that point in our life when we felt like we had like nowhere to turn, our privacy was invaded. Um, we really just leaned into God and that was a big time in my life where, um, I felt like my relationship with God is what led my family through that time. Um, just kind of being an anchor, um, along with my wife and that's really kind of brought us to where we are today. And I think the biggest thing that has kept my faith and allows me to be a good leader is committing to consistency. I know that when I'm consistent with my own life and my own faith, I'm a consistent leader. Um, my mindset is where it needs to be. The values that I show others are, are what they need to be um, in order to show Jesus through myself. Yeah, dude, that's such an awesome story. Yeah, and I know that when, when I was in Austin a few, uh, about a month ago, month and a half ago now, you shared that story about being robbed. And um, yeah, I mean, that really is like, because I feel like, you know, you pray that prayer, um, you know, where David says, you know, search my heart, you know, test my anxious thoughts. And, and going through a moment like, you know, like being robbed, you know, that's really a testing time of, okay, where am I? priorities actually at where am I at with um you know with even trusting God you know it, do, do I blame him for things like that or, or do I trust him like you said earlier um about trials and tribulations you know James tells us that you know consider it pure joy when you go through those because they produce perseverance um and it's just such a you know it's not natural you know to think like that but it's biblical like we don't naturally want to, you know, go towards like considering it joy when we're going through these, these, these super tough times. But, you know, it's a command in scripture to, you know, to consider it joy. And I love how you started that with, you know, you know, growing up, going to church every Sunday, because I feel like so many people, myself included, do that. You know, um, I went to church every Sunday, super involved in youth group, high school ministry. I led a Bible study in high school. Um, but I had no relationship with with Jesus, I, you know, thought I was saved because I went to church and I did good things. And even then, like, I still didn't even do good things. I was still living, like, super worldly, but I thought that I was good because I was in church. Um, and it really wasn't until I was in college that the Lord really woke me up. And just to see this, you know, you can, just that idea of, like, it's possible to have a saved soul, but a wasted life. And, you know, I don't want to, you know, be saved, yes, but not go tell others about it. And I don't want to, you know, live a life that doesn't produce the fruit of the Spirit that God's called us to be because, you know, he says that, you know, you'll be, you'll be known as, as my disciple by, by how you love. And, you know, like you said, like you wanting to 
emulate the life of Jesus through you by loving people, by being compassionate. And, and just as men, like, I just feel like we need more men to actually believe that, to, you know, that it's not this masculine, macho, you know, thing, because Jesus says, you know, um, you know, in the, um, the Beatitudes about, you know, being meek and mild and, you know, for, for, for you know, for those, for, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, just that idea of, like, the lowly, the, the, you know, the, the servants and, you know, the last will be first, and that idea of, like, by humbling ourselves, that's actually how God, you know, exalts us up. So I love that you shared that because that was part of my story, man. I went to church all the time, but didn't actually understand the gravity of it. And I just truly want, you know, guys your age, my age, you know, older, younger, to actually, if, if you're going to claim to be a believer, you know, that actually come, it, it comes with things. Like, you know, Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me. Half the time Jesus was talking people out of following him. I mean, he wasn't, you know, begging them to follow him because when you start following him, it doesn't make things easier, but it makes life, you know, like it doesn't make it easier, but but he's walking with you through it. And, you know, we believe that there's a heaven and we believe that, you know, if we believe this, then, then we'll have eternity with God. And that's greater than any success that we have on earth. That's greater than any, you know, back squat or any, you know, super fast mile, this having eternity with the one who created us is, you know, what we long for and what, and what we strive for, what we strive for. Um, but I love how you talked about, you know, Noah, and then what's your other son's name? Wyatt. Wyatt, Wyatt, yeah. Wyatt Wyatt's the fresh one. He's 10 months old. Yeah, the 10 month old. So Noah and Wyatt. So, and even, you know, your wife, Chase, as a father and leader, you know, as you kind of talked about earlier, what are some things that you feel like you've implemented in your marriage and, you know, as being a, as being a father that have kind of helped keep y'all grounded as a family? Yeah, boy, it's been tough. Um, I don't know how you guys have been handling things with a new child, but I just through COVID through having two young kids, um, our struggle right now is getting to church with two young kids. We have a interesting dynamic at home where, our older son Noah has a hard time with other kids. I think because he's like he's a COVID baby, he hasn't been around other kids, and he like can't handle being like in the nursery school or Sunday school. So um, re- wrestling with that right now. But from the beginning of our relationship, um, our relationship has been built on faith. Um, you know, Shay actually she also went to church growing up, but she wasn't a believer. Um, once we started dating, she actually was saved and was baptized. And um, that's something that I hold near and dear to my heart is that she made that commitment. And we've been walking in that life ever since. But now having kids, you know, it's it's kind of just building that consistency and showing our kids even at the earliest of ages, like, you know, this is what we do when, you know, we, we, we pray to God. It's just some, something that we do. Um, we've instilled like our two-year-old, he prays for his food every day before he eats. And I know he doesn't know what God is yet or like, you know, he can't grasp that in his head. But I think just building this consistency in his life of like, you know, this is what we believe and this is what we do. And he sees mommy and daddy praying. And, um, you know, it's, I think it's hard with little kids just because they don't grasp grasp everything yet. Um, but as parents, we're just doing it, you know, everything we can to 
show him again, like I said, show him love, show him how to love others, um, show him how to have compassion for his brother, um, teach him how to pray, like teach him these habits that'll stick with him the rest of his life and ultimately build that relationship with Jesus. Yeah, that's awesome. So I know we kind of talked about it earlier on like a physical, from a physical standpoint, you know, with soccer and CrossFit and where you're at with BPN, but spiritually speaking, like at what point, you know, because you kind of shared, you know, when you met Mike Leach, that, you know, that kind of pivotal moment in your life, where would you say that, um, you know, where did you realize that you're doing something bigger than yourself kind of in this life? That moment of, you know, I'm Adam, I'm on this earth, but I love CrossFit, I love my family, but I feel like I'm doing something bigger, you know, with my life. Yeah. That's a tough one. I think it was a little bit more gradual for me rather than like a aha moment. Um, but I think the first couple of years of me coaching, which again was something that I've never done before. Um, I was just an athlete who fell into coaching and developed a love for coaching. But I think as the years started to go by and I would build relationships with people and I would help somebody lose 50 pounds or and I would be part of this person's journey and they can now do this and they couldn't do this. And um, I worked with a 70 year old woman who couldn't pick herself up off the ground and now she's doing burpees. And when I started to realize that I was like actually changing people's life um, and with that, if you, if you change somebody's life physically, they're gonna gravitate towards you as a person and almost gravitate towards whatever your values are, whatever your views are, whatever your beliefs are. So through those journeys with the people that I would, I was working with, I was realizing that I was really being able to have a true positive impact again, not just on their fitness, but like on their life as a whole. Um, like even like silly things, like, you know, people would joke me like, Oh, Adam never cusses. But you know, you know what? The person that I now have a relationship, you know, for a year with at the gym, who's been around me every single day for the past year, like they don't cuss anymore either. And I know that's like a very small, like superficial thing, but like, you know, it's it's yeah, that it changes people's hearts. That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, that's that's just about being an example. Like that's what we're called to be. Like, you know, Jesus says that we're the light of the world. Um, you know, and with that, we bear the responsibility of you know being held accountable for our, our actions and you know the more that we can you know show others the love the love of Christ and the more people are going to be gravitated towards that so I think that's awesome though yeah yeah and it, it's uh one of those things where once you finally develop a platform things just kind of take off um another cool thing that I got to be a part of through coaching was we supported St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and did charity competitions and I was able to put that on and just to see then the impact we would have on children's lives and families' lives. I mean, we had people at these events who would break down into tears because they were surrounded by a community that was supporting them in their mission to save their child. Um, I think as an athlete, you do have a very big platform and you can use that for better or for worse. Um, you had a platform being an athlete. I had a platform being an athlete and I think it, it's all what you, all what you do with it. So I know that I've just been thankful to have that platform and still have that platform and to 
be able to do good and love others. But yeah, I think a lot of people can can relate to that, and I just encourage them to uh, to be a positive impact. Yeah, dude, that's so awesome. Because I know that you know, even like the whole theme of you know, kind of what what we're doing here, even with this podcast, it's it, it really is, you know, like I said earlier, like you're encouraging people to go out and train physically. You know, go out in this week and do do that Cindy challenge. But you know, at the same time, we also want to challenge you to train spiritually, like. We don't want to ever put more emphasis on the physical training over the spiritual training because that's just not the right order. You know, that's just we always want to, you know, train ourselves spiritually. And then out of that, we can go to train to train physically. I know when I go to the gym now, I either have to listen to a sermon or I either have to listen to worship. Because if I don't, if I'm listening to you know, secular music, or if I'm listening to, you know, something like that, then I'll get, I'll, I'll get, okay, well, I, I can, I can just, my mind can go into space of what do I look like? And just down these little rabbit trails that I don't want to go because it's not what it's about. You know, I, when it says, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that idea of how do I love God with my strength? And, you know, by being physically active, by being just in good shape, my physical health affects my spiritual health and vice versa. If I'm, if I'm healthy physically, you know, then I'm going to feel closer to God spiritually. And if I'm, you know, if I'm good with my spiritual life, then out of that, you know, I enjoy going to train physically. And it's just kind of this like dance. I think that's so, I think that's so cool about what Paul tells us that, you know, because he acknowledges that he acknowledges it, that it's of some value, but he just says that it's not of every value like the spiritual training is. So Adam, you've given us the Cindy challenge, which I'm going to go out and do this week, and I hopefully that it does not kill me. Um, I don't know how many rounds I'm going to get. I will be nowhere near 27, though. Um, I'm, going to, I'm going to check in. So. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. Well, you're going to check in. All right, so you've given us the physical challenge, but now I want to ask you to give us the spiritual challenge to go out and to do this week. Yeah. Um, so you approached me with this question before we had this podcast, so I had a little time to think about it. And um, I think it would be very easy for me to say, like, read your Bible every day for the next week or read the book of Luke or whatever. Um, But I lead a group of ambassadors at BPN and we have weekly calls. And something that I challenged them with on our last call last week um, was the idea of committing to consistency. I know everybody's different. I know everybody's at a different space in their life. I know that everybody's at a different spot in their relationship with Jesus. So my challenge to the listeners and and to myself too right like i'm trying to always challenge myself in these things is commit to consistency and pick one thing to start to build a habit with it might be it might be going to church once a week it might be reading your bible for 10 minutes a day it might be listening to a sermon or christian music while you work out instead of secular music so you know you're building you know, thoughts in your head that set you up in the right direction with your relationship with Jesus. Um, so I don't know what that specific thing is for you personally, you that are listening to this. Um, but for example, for me, I'm going to challenge myself five days out of the week. I'm going to read my Bible for 15 minutes a day. That's something that I struggle with, right? Picking up a Bible and reading it. One, I hate reading, hate it. I like, tried to get out of honors English every single year. So I didn't have to do the summer reading. So that's a big challenge for me, but that's something I want to build consistency with. So I'm going to challenge myself to reading my Bible 
most days of the week. I'll give myself a little bit grace there. So I want you to pick something that you want to be consistent with. I want you to pick something that you want to build a habit with because habits are tough. They're hard and they're hard to break. But if you can do that enough times, then it becomes something that you almost don't even think about anymore. And it just becomes something, something that you do, something that's a part of your life. And then you're now pushing yourself to greater limits in whatever it is. And hopefully it's your relationship with Jesus Christ. There we go. I'm going to commit myself to, you said, read your Bible for 15 minutes. I'm going to pray for 15 minutes, not just five minutes here, five minutes there. I'm going to try to sit down and actually for 15 minutes, just pray through what I got. So that is my spiritual challenge going to be this week for me. So um, I hope that you go out and do Cindy this week. I hope that you go out and, you know, like Adam said, whatever, whatever spiritual challenge that you want to, you know, that you, that you want to challenge yourself with this week, go out and do it. Um, and if you do, if you only do one of them, don't do the Cindy, do the spiritual <laughs> challenge, because as we said, that is more important. So Adam, thanks so much for joining me, man, on my first podcast. This has been so awesome. Just a normal, just fun conversation. I know we have these all the time, but this was fun to get to actually sit down and talk and go through all these, all these good things. No, man. Thanks. I I appreciate you having me on and it's been a pleasure.